Welcome to the Iowa Journalist Podcast Series, presented by the University of Iowa School of Journalism and Mass Communications. I'm your host, Jack Martin. On this episode, I talk to Seth Wickersham, an award-winning journalist for ESPN. My name is Seth Wickersham. I'm a writer at ESPN. I do profiles and investigations, and um, I'm now entering my 20th year at ESPN, which is crazy. What was your initial interest in journalism? What made you want to pursue it as a career? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I grew up in Anchorage, Alaska, and um, I played sports and, you know, but I was always just kind of interested in, in media, like even going back to like junior high, I would read the newspaper before I went to school every day and always kind of enjoyed that and had an appreciation for that aspect of the world. And um, when I was a freshman in high school, I decided to sign up for the school newspaper class and, you know, I just really took to it. That's the best I can say is, is, you know, I kind of just enjoyed the work and, um, you know, sure enough, it ended up sort of feeling like the most natural thing that I could do, um, you know, as a profession. So I left high school and then I went to the University of Missouri Journalism School and, um, you know, to try to continue that. I wasn't sure if I wanted to go into print journalism or broadcast. I ended up steering towards print, but, um, you know, I think that that's, that's kind of what did it. I just kind of enjoyed um, writing and I enjoyed talking to people and, you know, it just seemed like a good way to, if you had to do work for a living, it seemed like a good way to do it. You know, ESPN is ESPN. Everybody recognizes it as like, you know, the worldwide leader in sports. So how did you go from the University of Missouri Journalism School to writing for ESPN? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. And, and you know, like everything, you know, there's an element of luck that's involved. Um, so my senior year, a football team that doesn't even exist anymore called the St. Louis Rams they're now in Los Angeles, um, made it to the Super Bowl. And um, our newspaper, the newspaper that goes to the community of Columbia, Missouri, through the journalism school, um, would cover Rams and Chiefs games so that you could get the experience of covering, you know, an NFL game. So we would cover Rams and Chiefs games that year. Then sure enough, out of nowhere, the Rams end up making it to the Super Bowl. And so one of my um, best friends and classmates, Wright Thompson, applied to get credentials to the Super Bowl from our, our little community college paper. And we ended up getting credentialed. So we left school, we went to Atlanta for a week to cover the Super Bowl. And, you know, it's like a job fair there. I mean, everybody in the profession is at the Super Bowl. And it was so cool. Um, especially to be there as like a student, um, you know, it was just, it, it was like, it was like a nerdy spring break. <laughs> and um, when I was there, I set up a couple meetings with, um, you know, a couple sports editors and some newspapers. And, you know, I just, I tried to use it because I, you know, in six months I had to graduate and, and land a job. And, um, one day I was at the media center and I saw this man walk by and I recognized him and it was the editor in chief of ESPN magazine. I had never met him before, but I knew who he was and I introduced myself to him 
And uh, I think I told him, I'm going to write for you one day, <laughs> which is pretty wild that I would say that, but, you know, it just came out of my mouth. And um, I ended up applying for a job there. Now, the way he tells it, he remembers me from the Super Bowl. And that's, you know, one of the reasons why he wanted to hire me. I'm not sure that that's totally true. But, um, you know, I, I ended up about a month before I graduated, um, getting lucky there was an opening there. And so they, you know, they brought me in. And so I, um, I graduated from college and then, you know, about 10 days later, I was in New York city starting at ESPN magazine, which was just crazy. What's it like working for ESPN? I mean, I know that you, it's something that a lot of kids dream of. They watch sports center in their living rooms in the morning before school and they just, they want to work there, but you know, what's it like actually being there? Yeah, it's, you know, it's so powerful. That's the way that I would describe it. You know, you just, um, and it's something that's easy to kind of take for granted, but you just feel like if you say something on air or if you write something, um, you know, people see it. And that's the cool part is that like, you know, you, you do this work for yourself. You do it professionally because it's, um, you're paid to do it. And you also do it to, you know, be absorbed by the world. I mean, if you write a story, you want people to see it and you want them to read it. And, um, you know, that's the cool thing. You feel very noticed when you work at ESPN. And so, um, you know, that's the, that's the, it's just, you know, it's one of the coolest things. And then I'd say the other coolest thing is there's just like a, there's a lot of people there who work very hard to make every story as good as it can be. And, um, you know, I work with um, some great editors, Eric Neal, this guy, uh, Chris Buckle, who does most of the investigative work. And, you know, working with them is a real treat because they, they push you to get better. Um, you know, they insist that you get better almost. And so because of that, even though I've worked here for 20 years, I've almost, you know, it just, it feels like it's been a continuing education. And so um, that part of it is, it's unbelievably rewarding, especially because I have friends at other places who, who don't feel that way. And that, so I, I really do my best to not take that for granted. You know, obviously with ESPN, you can get, I'm sure, I mean, I mean, I guess not obviously, but I'm sure you can get exposure to different types of people to talk to and it's easier to probably get that leeway into the conversation with somebody that's you know more of a hope more of a high profile person in the industry and going through just doing research for the interview I saw that you covered people like Peyton Manning and Tom Brady so like how do you prepare for those interviews like do you ever get starstruck before going into it and especially like at the beginning of your career was that ever a thing that you kind of had to get used to or did you just kind of see it as a part of the job I, I never was starstruck I, I grew up a Denver Broncos fan and one of my very first stories was getting sent out to Denver to do a story on Terrell Davis, their running back who was injured and he was coming back from an injury. And so, you know, colliding with a lot of the people that I had spent, you know, my high school and college years rooting for as a professional kind of weeded any of that out of me, you know, I could appreciate what they do, but I, you know, I had a job to do when I was there and I didn't feel like a fan with a pen. I felt like I was there as a journalist. Um, you know, the first time I met Tom Brady, 
was in um, November of 2001. It was one of my first stories and he was just getting the, you know, he was starting for the New England Patriots, but he wasn't even sure if he was gonna finish the year as the starter. You know, Drew Bledsoe was injured and he was gonna come back. And um, so I wasn't starstruck of Tom Brady at all because, <laughs> you know, he seemed like he was filling a spot for a couple months, a couple weeks. And then, you know, he'd go back to the bench and, you know, maybe leave to be a free agent somewhere else. You know, who knows, who knew what was going to happen with his career. I remember as we were leaving, we walked out of the stadium at the time they played on a small stadium. It was like a high school field and the stadium that the Patriots play at now was under construction. And he looked at that stadium and he said, you know, I hope I get to play there, but you know, and then as the years went on, I mean, obviously his fame exploded. I, you know, I once interviewed him at his house and um, it was, it was crazy just because he had an apartment in Boston and he took the elevator up to the third floor and the, the elevator just opened straight into his apartment. There was no hallway or foyer or anything like that. It was, it opens and you're in his living room and I was there and no one was around. And so not only was I, in Tom Brady's living room, but I was alone in Tom Brady's living room. And, you know, I had, I was just standing there waiting for someone else to enter. And then finally I hear Tom say, Oh, you know, I'll be right up, make yourself comfortable. So it was kind of a funny moment, but um, you know, the preparation for those interviews, I think you just, there's a Gary Smith line, the great writer who used to write at sports illustrated, he would say, you know, you always want to figure out what the central complication is in someone's life and how they're trying to solve for it. And so, you know, when you interview Tom Brady or Peyton Manning or, you know, athletes or coaches that no one's heard of, that's, you're, I'm always trying to keep that in mind. And so when I think about preparation, um, preparing for those interviews, I either know what they're trying to solve for, or sometimes I, I, I guess and see, you know, if it ends up being true or, um, you know, imagine, you know, the complications in their life and what things I'd like to explore with them. So of all the interviews that you've done outside of football, what has been the most unique or interesting? Like what's the one that's kind of stuck with you throughout, you know, two decades at ESPN? That's a great question. I'm not ready for it. I need to think for a second. That's a man. You know, I once did this story on, on horse racing and specifically about horse euthanasia because a lot of horses were going down. And, you know, when a horse breaks down during a race, they have to execute it usually um, mm -hmm. because horses are just designed to have four working legs. And if they don't, they, they can't function and they'll, they'll die a slow and painful death. And so if a horse breaks its, its leg racing, they, they execute the horse. And I, I wanted to know what that was like um, to do that. And uh, so I followed around some of the, the racetrack veterinarians whose job it is to do that, which is a, it's a really weird time because it's like I'm following them around, wondering if waiting for a horse to, to break its leg. It was not, mm -hmm. a, I didn't feel great about it. Um, but, you know, that was an interesting story to just sort of like see what it's like for them to have to, you know, execute these beautiful and powerful animals. So I guess kind of going off of like unique and interesting interviews, what are what's your favorite part about being a sports journalist, especially somebody that's profiling 
superstar athletes and doing investigative work on things like horse rate. And, and with that, I guess, what are also the challenges of being a sports journalist and kind of getting those stories? Well, I think the, the cool thing about it is, is, is that it's cyclical. And so, you know, sometimes, you know, when you're writing about other things, you know, there's no rhythm to what you're doing. You're, you're kind of waiting for events to happen. I mean, I guess political writers have elections, right? But, you know, people who cover sports always have seasons. They always have action going on. There's always something happening that you can react to or dive into or learn more about. And, um, you know, I think that's the cool thing. So just the ideas, you, you know, I've been doing this for 20 years. I feel like I've done all the ideas that I can think of, right? I've done investigative stories about the NFL and Donald Trump and the national anthem. I've done stories about football players who have won Super Bowls. I've done them about players who have disgraced themselves. I've done, you know, stories with Peyton Manning about what he sees at the line of scrimmage, so on and so forth. But, you know, all that stuff changes and there's always someone new. And even if you feel like you've done an idea before, there's always someone new or a new opportunity to delve into that story again and learn something new about it. Um, you know, I've written about quarterbacks so much in 20 years that for a while, I just, I didn't know what more I could say about a quarterback. I, you know, I sort of felt like I had like plateaued from a curiosity standpoint. And then a couple of years ago, Patrick Mahomes comes along and, you know, he's doing something different than the other guys who had done it. And so it was awesome to go write about him. I had this little anecdote in the story about how he liked to put ketchup on steaks and that ended up blowing up everywhere, completely overshadowing everything else that I had written about it you know, his love of ketchup, but like, I just, you know, diving back into the art and the craft of quarterbacking and learning how Patrick Mahomes did it um, was, was really cool. And so I think that like, that's the cool thing about covering sports. And it's also the challenge is just sort of like taking ideas that on the surface seem old, but once you dive into them and really go down the rabbit hole, they're new because of situation of circumstance, or, you know, because of the person that you're, interviewing. So what kind of advice would you have for incoming or current students who want to pursue a career in specifically sports journalism? Well, I mean, I think you want to, number one, take advantage of everything that you have in college, all the opportunities, you know. Um, it's a great laboratory, and there are some great resources, you know, at a place like Iowa to um, start your career now. You know, even though it, it may not be professional, you know, you can start to write the stories you want to want, you want to write or develop ideas for the podcast that you want to develop. Um, and, you know, you get to do it for free. I know that you're paying into college, but like the stakes are, are pretty low. If you make a mistake, you can learn from it. If you um, come up with a great idea, it can serve as a launching off point when you actually start your career. I know that it's a really tough time. And, you know, um, I was saying earlier today, I mean, you know, you guys have gone to college and had to figure out paths forward during an incredibly difficult time. You know, we, we all know the details. We all know that it's unprecedented, but you guys have all found ways to not only survive, but to 
you know, solve for problems that nobody else has had to solve for for a long time, and that even professionals struggle to solve for. So when you graduate, you're going to have this incredible toolkit that you'll be able to rely on to go back and, you know, when you start your careers. And so um, there's just a lot of opportunities in college. I have really worked hard to get the most that I could out of college. And, you know, there's just no stopping you right now. There's no reason that your career can't start tomorrow. Yeah, I, that's, that, I mean, that's really good advice. And I also, I had this question pegged last to kind of close it out just because, you know, we're in this pandemic now where, Everything has kind of moved digitally, whether it's people's work, school, whatever. So how has digital media allowed you to tell different kinds of stories? And how did that kind of come into play once everything happened with the pandemic last year? Yeah, I mean, I don't think that it impacted it from a digital standpoint. I mean, obviously, like, you know, you get into the job to get on airplanes. I mean, you know, the, the best way to be a journalist is just to be out in the world and learning about things. And when you're grounded, when you're locked down, it makes that incredibly difficult. Um, and nobody got into this business to do interviews over Zoom. <laughs> you know, you want to visit someone's house. You want to get to know them. You want to ask them every question you can think of. You want to know their friends, their enemies, their hopes, their fears, everything. And, you know, the pandemic took away some of the tools that you rely on to do those types of stories. And so, you know, you also, again, you know, you had to think outside of the box and it's things that you guys have done also. And so um, from a digital standpoint, I mean, obviously being able to do interviews over your computer, which I'd never done in my life until, you know, last March, last April, never. But um, you adjust and you learn how to do it. And, you know, I've got a story coming out uh, in the next couple of weeks where I did a four hour interview, my co-author and I with, you know, one of the, the, the most famous executives in sports. And it was a contentious four hour interview. And, you know, I've never done anything like that over Zoom where, um, you know, it was, it was heated at times. And, you know, sometimes when you're in person, you can, those situations are a little bit easier to diffuse. It's a lot harder over Zoom, but we did it. And, you know, the interview, um, you know, accomplished what it needed to. And so, you know, we're all learning how to adjust. And I really do hope that like, once things get back to whatever normal it is, we'll be able to use things like Zoom when we need to, but not all the time. Thanks for listening. If you want to learn more, you can find us at uiowa.edu backslash SJMC. For more episodes of the podcast, subscribe to our channel.